This podcast is brought to you by Balls of the E in association with Carry Out Off Licence, Ireland's number one independent off licence. Hope Rugby World Cup show here on Balls.ie with Carry Out Off Licence. I'm Mick McCarthy, joined in studio as always by the one and only Brent Pope. Yes. Brent, yes. <laughs> we're in a <laughs> different... A week. <laughs> we are, yeah. We're in a... Di- I, I've kind of uh, talked myself around yeah. to sort of... Uh, it, it all being fine now, looking forward to yeah. New Zealand and England. It is only a game of rugby after all, but Absolutely. God, if you watch rugby all your life and, and, and you follow this Irish team all the way through, yeah. it's very hard to get your head around... Not them losing to the All Blacks, or not them even getting well beaten to the All Blacks, but them just not showing up at all on the day and not really managing to, in any way, yeah. inconvenience even New Zealand. Look, it's hugely disappointing, and I, you know, like, and, and and I suppose at the end of the day, everything in retrospect and every everything in the sense that, you know, like the media has taken a bit of criticism over the way that they've maybe been overly critical but I don't quite see it that way I mean working in the media you've got to be balanced otherwise people take you as a faker you know now I don't agree with personal criticism but I do believe in the old adage and even Steve Hansen said you often learn more from your losses uh, than your wins and you're right there's just huge hurt and disappointment because you know they're not the first team they're not the first team because when I was involved in 1987 in New Zealand you know, I'd have, I'd have eaten my hat if you said it's going to be another, what, 16 years before they win another World Cup because they were always perennial favourites and they always maybe, um, you know, they choked. In a situation like this, you just had huge expectation this year that this was kind of the team we should have known better, I suppose, as the song would say, because we had it in 2007 and in the last World Cup as well in the sense of going in with this special breed of players that are playing well and then just come unstuck for some reason, psychologically or otherwise, come unstuck when it matters most. And mm. I think it wasn't so much the loss. I, I, I Realistically, I thought that Ireland had a big performance in them. And yes, I thought that if they played the way they had played 18 months ago in the, in the um, you know, in glimpses even in the Six Nations, then they could upset a New Zealand team that was a bit more vulnerable. We've got to go back to say, actually, were New Zealand that vulnerable? And also the fact is, you know, something just went wrong on the day. You said you made a good description. They couldn't lay a glove on New Zealand. I did warn I did warn about these teams that if they suddenly get cushions up uh, yeah. on points, and New Zealand, for New Zealand, that is 10 points. I know that for a fact. And they then play in, in, in wanting to strike just before half-time and, ha- and after half-time. That's part of their philosophy, that if they can get to a situation where suddenly the passes stick, uh, then they're just about unbeatable. Yeah. If you can put them out of your comfort zone, like Ireland have done on a couple of occasions, and suddenly have the, the uh, Kiwis chasing the game, then, then they're vulnerable. But it was the manner and the defeat. You know, there was just... So much work had gone into this team. There'd been so much success around it. And I keep saying it's not your natural sport, so people have got to back the truck up a wee bit and say, look, this group of players under their coaches have done extraordinary things. It's just when the Olympics comes around, the disappointment could be seen by the fans and the people that said, hey, we're only going out. There's a lot of people who are just going out now thinking that Ireland, you know, going out to Japan now, thinking that Ireland would make a semi-final and be there for the... For the not the more wealthy brigade, I don't have to say, <laughs> going out, you know. But oh, look, I was in shock. I was in shock, yeah. really. I, 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 I did hand on heart think probably New Zealand would win. I did think Ireland had a performance in them and and could swing that. But I certainly didn't see they're not laying a glove on them. I, I didn't, I didn't see that because I, I'm, I've watched that match again. I'm still. I still can't get a, an Irish line break. I can't get... They didn't get a foothold into that game anywhere. Yeah, you guys talked about it on TV at halftime, even when it looked over, that like every time New Zealand, you know, even when it looked like yeah. they weren't doing anything, they were breaking the oh, gain line. They were getting a easily. full body length almost ahead of the gain line every single time. And that happened yeah. against Japan, I'd have to say. Uh, you yeah, know, it did. It, it did happen against Japan. When teams breach Ireland's first line of defence... Ireland, as as we saw against England in the warm-up match, when you get in behind that first line sort of um, rush defence and you get in behind a team quite easy, then it's very hard to realign. Mm. And Japan did it too easily. New Zealand did it too easily. All their ball carriers just seem to be cruising over the game line. Yeah. 
But when you mm. have big guys like you know you've you've good tacklers in there, people who have mm. defended well for years that we know they're good defenders. We know for a fact. Like, how do you explain? And the defense is only yeah. one aspect. You could put this across exactly. any uh, any phase Kick of the game. game. Absolutely, yep. we know they can do it. Yeah. So when you see it like that, they don't stop New Zealand at the game line. Even sometimes, yeah. is it attitude? Is it preparation? Is it bottling it for want of a better word? I don't like that word really. No, it, no, but, no. But, I don't think. Look, I don't think Ireland bottled it. I also don't think that they. They intended for this to happen. Sometimes sure. you've got to put your hands up. Sometimes. We, we've all played in games like that, that no matter what you do or how hard you try, it gets further and further away from you. And I think New Zealand, above all teams in the world, and I'd say above all teams in the world because I mean that, even against England or whatever, they have this ability when they're playing that free sort of spirited rugby, a bit like Fiji in the sevens even, not in the fifteens, but in the sevens. When they're playing that sort of... that. that, that game it's very hard to get back into the game now that's not excusing that's not making excuses either because there was something missing there was something slightly missing throughout the whole world cup when you think about it when you think about how it'll be judged it'll be you know a good win a confidence win a momentum win against scotland but then it turned out scotland perhaps weren't as good as not take anything away from the win you got to win that match did did what they had to do russia yeah you know, did what they had to do again, but I mean, it wasn't a great performance no. uh, at the end of the day. Japan, of course, we all know about that. And then the, the, the win against Samoa. So then you've got to say, look, how interested was Samoa? So form wasn't great going into that game against New Zealand. And anybody put up their hand and say, if you tell me otherwise, you, you're lying because it wasn't great. You know, we'd had we'd had a couple of knocks in the in the warm-ups with that England match being a record. It wasn't just a beating. It was a, it was a record loss. Yeah. We had that, first match in the and even you go look you can you can go back now to even Saracens winning the Heineken Cup against a few people have said that this week yeah that was probably the telltale signs back there that that Ireland might struggle um that they just haven't been these top line players just haven't been at the races ever since last November no and 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 it, it seemed to it seemed to go through all the teams some players you'd have to say resurrected their form over the last few months i think cj stander came sure. good yeah. uh when he was when he was struggling a bit prior to the to the to the warm-ups and prior to the world cup he certainly emerged um on the good side of the ledger gary ringrose emerged on the good side of the ledger. james ryan while well, he was consistently good so there were a number of performances there that were promising but as a team just didn't come together, didn't gel really. Mm. Can, I, can I ask you about something you said there at the start about the criticism, right? Mm. Like you've been involved in media here for a mm. long time, right? Years, yeah, yeah, and you've been one of the voices on Irish rugby that people will yeah. have seen, will be most familiar with, right? There's so there's two, there's almost two camps here. One is that yeah. Irish rugby players don't get criticised enough. I don't know. You <laughs> sat you sat in a panel with George Hook for a long time. Yeah, I think which, that's which uh, happened. Yeah. Um, and then the other side of it is that non-personal, but like yeah. criticism of a professional rugby team is Perfect. somehow out of order. Yes, I don't understand. I, I agree. But I you, agree. You, it's you, not out of order. Yeah, but you come from like you know, obviously you've yeah. been here a long, long time. But you come from New Zealand, like where where the yeah. game is dissected to the nth degree. You must find it weird that this conversation is even. Happening. I do. I yeah. do find it weird. Now, I'm, 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 I'm absolutely not for personal criticism. And there were some, you know, I won't mention the names, there were some journalists were pretty scathing about individuals' performances or, um, you know, just wanting to get on the bandwagon of, of, of knocking a coach and, and players that have been very successful. But there's another responsibility that the media have is calling it, you know, as they see it. You know, um, most players, most players in the media... Uh, most people in the media have been ex-players themselves at, at various levels, at international level, and been captains of sides or whatever. And, and you know, so there's got to be learnings in it, and you've got to be able to go back and say, "Hey, I'm not going to just, I'm not going, I'm not about to stand up on a chair and start whooping and clapping over Ireland's loss at another World Cup. I'm not because this team deserved more than that, and that's what we think. So you've got to, you've just got to come along with balance, folks. You know. Everything in retrospect, and I'd be the first person to put up my hand if we were having this conversation, Ireland beat New Zealand by 10 points and we're now looking at them being potential World Cup winners. I'd be the first to say, hey, you know, 
Joe put it over all of us for the last few months and he got it right and Ireland are a brilliant side. I'm not saying they become a bad team overnight. They don't. And I mean, I think you'll see, you know, Andy Farrell will go on with it with a good core of players and Joe Schmidt has to ask the question, which we can answer for him that all coaches ask is, you know, does he leave the play does he leave the team in a much better place than when he found it? And absolutely the answer to that is unequivocally yes he does. And he's done a, a lot for 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 Irish rugby, more than any other coach. And he's successful, and that will be his legacy. But his legacy to himself will still be on the highest stage. You know, maybe I could have done things differently. He even better last night when he's coming back on, on on the television that he just said, you know, looking back again, I yeah. should have I should have done something different. So I don't take all this criticism about, you know, yes, leave the players alone uh, personally, but. It's a professional game. I mean, when I played way back and, you know, when involved in the World Cup, people had to win a World Cup medal and then go back roofing or go back onto the farm the next day. And you could turn one finger around to your supporters at, at some stage and said, hey, I'm getting up at five o'clock in the morning, a bit GA style. I'm playing for my county or my country because I love it and I pride in it. I've still got to go back to work and make up the hours. You know, there is a bit of a situation where these players are well paid. I mean, they're not as paid as well as the soccer players. We know that. But they're still well paid. They still have a pretty good lifestyle as far as other people working nine to five say, wouldn't I like to be over in Japan and that? And yes, they can talk about the hard work they've put in and, and, and that's fine. But, you know, if, they, if, if, if you take the plaudits, then you've got, to be, you've got to be man enough to also take the, the constructive criticism as well. I mean... There's no sports person or no sports team that can't learn from construction criticism and say, next time we might look at these things and do it a bit differently. Yeah. So I don't get that I don't get that bandwagon criticism where people are saying, Oh, leave them alone, yeah. leave them alone. They did their best. They, yeah. Nobody's well, saying that. Of course, they didn't. of course. No yeah. one's saying look, no one's saying out there, well there might be a few people, but no one's saying that they turned up in that match to wave a white flag. No one's saying that, least of all me. I'm not here to bag the players. I'm not saying that they didn't try. I'm not saying that they didn't go in with the right mental attitude. I didn't go, I'm not saying they weren't prepared the best that they thought they could be. Absolutely all those things. But I mean there has to be some accountability Otherwise, you don't learn. If you don't sit down and say, okay, like New Zealand had to do in 2007, by the way, when they were knocked out by France, they had to bring in a psych- sports psychiatrist yeah. for people to deal with that players. You know, for, forget about Ireland. My God, the backlash they got coming back to New Zealand. Some of them were too scared even to get on the plane to come back because of what was awaiting them. Yeah. Certainly not the way with Irish fans. Irish fans are generous to, to a core, but to learn from it. You've got yeah. to learn from it. What, what, what would they do differently next time? Because at the, at the end of the day, Ireland still haven't got out of a quarterfinal <laughs> since oh, the World Cup started. I and know. that's unbelievable to think. What you, you went in, Ireland went in as the number one ranked side, not the number eight or ninth or tenth, or they might have been in other years, or the six or seven, as the number one ranked side in the world. Now, we don't put much on that, but they were certainly in the top four. If you were asked before this tournament who 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 potentially the quarterfinals would be, it had to be Ireland would have to have been included in that. Yeah. You could give away France and Argentina that quite easily. Japan even you didn't think would, you know, be as dangerous as they were. Scotland I always had doubts about them. You know, Wales on a on a toss a toss of a coin with Ireland, but Ireland must be kicking themselves because man. I always thought they had the beating. I I still think they possibly had the beating of South Africa. I didn't see. People say, oh, well, it would have been the same. I don't think it would have been the same. I think that Ireland would have managed that game a bit better. You don't think there's a mental block there with the quarterfinals? Now, I know that wasn't all down to the performance. I don't think but so. You don't think there's a kind of, a, if something goes wrong, we're never going to do this and it all collapses? I would be surprised. Yeah. I, I, you may be right. And it would be What will happen now over the next six months is things will start coming out, seeping out of the woodwork, which they already have. Mm. You know, they already have about, you know, journalists are coming on saying, was it too much of a controlling environment where their players not allowed to play what's in front of them? All these things will come out, you mm-hmm. know, fairly or unfairly. But I would like to know the psychology behind it. Now, just on a sort of a different part of my life, I work in a lot of mental health. I don't think teams, even to this day, spend enough time on mental skills around rugby, around the psychology of the game. Yes, we all know that they set up, you know, the latest strength and conditioning but you know what are the demons you know what are the demons players are carrying you know are they carrying injury demons are they carrying psychological scars about you know 
we're trying to tell ourselves all the time we can we can get out of it, you know, out of the quarterfinals. But do we really believe it themselves? Mm. I'd have to say I saw self belief in this side, and I don't. I I would be surprised if that's the reason. I look. You I, see someone like. I, I just want to stop on that because it's a very mm. interesting point and obviously you know more about it than, than most people but like you know Brian Driscoll has often talked about his career kind of you know mm. the, the revamping of his Absolutely. career in 2008 2009 when he spoke to Enda McNulty yeah. before you know and, and started to believe in himself again and mm-hmm. when amazingly for probably the best rugby player to ever come off this island yeah. there was a belief issue you would have never realised no. that until he told you but everybody's going through something and is it not like you know there's only so many hours you can spend watching video of rugby or with a rugby ball in your hand or lifting weights that part of it needs to be as uh focused on as everything else no it's it's not not, yeah it's not because i deal even even at a lower level i'm a a trained psychotherapist counselor i even i even deal with a lot of rugby players at a younger age that they're suddenly their dreams are shattered through injury or self-belief. Suddenly, you can get you can get people coming to see me as a therapist that have missed out on a JCT team or an SCT team. Their life is suddenly, you know, not what they put it. And it can be it can be destruction mentally, mm. and those players can lose confidence. They can lose self-belief and all that. And that's not to say that it doesn't happen at the highest level. Uh, uh, like tennis players suffer it, you know, uh, goalkeepers suffer it, yeah. football players suffer it, just a dip in confidence. But I don't think there's enough work being done. In the, we all hear the top two inches and it's a psychological game. Yes, we hear that. But are players spending enough time on that side of the game or what are their demons or are they too scared to talk about, you know, thinking that they're playing against a certain player and he has a psychological edge over them. Mm. You know, it'd be it'd be really interesting to have that discussion. Somebody like Keith Earls would be really interesting because yeah. now this is his third World Cup, as it is others, and she's yet to get past the quarterfinal. So he must be thinking, I'm probably not going to go to a fourth World Cup. And, you know, what has happened? You know, what has happened? We've gone in every year. They're not like... You can't tell me really, they might say I'm wrong because there might be false self-belief, but you can't tell me really that Scotland went into this World Cup thinking we'll win the World Cup. You know, I, you know, you can probably think Japan, I met Jamie Joseph and that, and they said, look, you know, a quarterfinal would be, you know, our holy grail, and that would be brilliant, they achieved it. Mm. But Ireland's holy grail had to be a World Cup final or or, or final. I didn't see even in a semi-final. I would have thought that was, you know, possibly... No. Slightly underselling yourself, yeah, yeah, yeah possibly, yeah. yeah. You know, it's look, who uh, know? Who, who, look, we can only we can only hazard guesses. Of course, we can, you know? yeah, and that's what we're kind of here to do. But I, I do find it, I do find it fascinating, and it's something that I'd love to look into more at, at yeah. some time as to how much rugby or all sports people really uh, do look into the kind Absolutely. of the psychological side of what they're facing, um, and that can de- that can be dealing with disappointment as well as over- well, it's, it's, overcoming it's, it's, obstacles. They're two different things, really. You talk like, to yeah. Richie McCaw. Yeah, he didn't know how he didn't know how to handle that loss in two thousand seven, and he mm. talks openly about having to go and see a, a sports psychiatrist or a, you know a, a, a sports therapist or whatever. He had to go and see them because he couldn't handle the loss. He hadn't been in a situation like that before where he had the weight of expectation of a country and suddenly they had failed and they were labelled as chokers and they had to, to come go back to New Zealand and face the music and he needed help with that. So some of these players might need help, actually. They might need help to say, you know, my chance is gone. You know, yeah. you can win as many Grand Slams. I was talking to someone, that, that, that athlete there recently that had been to Olympics and they said, Brent, the Olympics is the holy grail of, of athletics. And while being a European champion or being something like that is great, is great and it's fantastic, it's a great achievement, man, it's just about getting to the Olympics. And when you get there, it's just about performing to the very best of your ability. And that doesn't matter whether you don't win a gold medal or a bronze or a silver or whatever. It's just about coming away from that Olympic and saying, I gave it everything I had and it was the best performance I put out they did the best times, and he said you can you can sleep easy at night. Yeah. Anything less than that, you feel that it only comes around every four years, and your chance is gone. You know? And that's the Rugby World Cup. And yeah. like, so we talked. You alluded to a little bit earlier about what Joe Schmidt has done, but that's the interesting question. So in Joe Schmidt's time, even if you go back to Leinster, back to back Heineken Cups, unbelievable. You go take over Ireland. Yeah. 
you run New Zealand closer than ever anyone's ever yeah. done. Then you beat them twice. Australia, you, you win a tour in Australia, yeah. which we never won uh, against the big tree in, on a tour. Yeah. First ever Test win in South Africa, and that's before you take in the Six Nations, which is three Six yeah. Nations Phenomenal. titles, including a Grand Slam. Our, uh, the Grand Slam is one thing, but even the back to back Six Nations, that's something we had never done. No. That you know, that was something oh. that Ireland had never been able to, to manage. You know, and but but. The World Cup will tarnish his legacy, of and, I, and I, both World Cups really. And I suppose that's the question: is you know that's a big black mark for him. But there's all this talk at the moment that the World Cup is the be all and end all. Like, does it dis- does it diminish all of the the list of things that I've just mentioned? It does for Joe, okay. unfortunately. And you know, if you stack up, if you stack up all what he, that he has done for Irish rugby and to bring this team to, uh, 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 you know, where they were even ranked in the top two or three in the world on a consistent basis, absolutely fantastic. But for him, for him as a perfectionist and knowing Joe reasonably well, he'll be gutted because all coaches have dreams like players. And in the back of his mind, somewhere going into this World Cup was a ticker tape parade down the middle of Dublin with people hanging out of buildings and cheering and his legacy forever being an Irish rugby, given the keys to the city, you know, come back at any stage in his life, you know, because he's not Irish like me, you know, he's a New Zealander, but to come back in, in 20 years mm. and see people on the street and, and, and a bit like Jack Charlton went through those there, actually not winning anything major, but, but that sort of reverence that he would have and he deserved in that spot. But for, for him, for him, he'll see it as unfinished business. It'll be this scratch that he can never, this itch that he can never quite scratch fully. And he'll he'll be going over and he'll be thinking, what could I have done? What could I have done? You know, what more could I have done? What should I have done differently? What, you know, given my chance again, what would I, what, what I do and all these things. And, and he'll be looking at that. And that'll haunt him for a long time as a coach because expectation was high and rightly so. Performance was high, and rightly so, and we all had thoughts of going. I was laughed off panels last year by ex-international saying that, you know, Ireland should just be a wee bit wary of a, of a, of a New Zealand black lash and a wee bit wary of South Africa in a quarterfinal. I was told this wasn't the same team anymore. But now we go around the, the, the roundabout again and we're back to the same, Yeah, you know. And and my first game I ever reported, I think I was saying last week, um, mm. was the first game I ever did on, on TV officially for the panel was New Zealand versus Ireland in 1995 when Gary Halpin famously gave yeah. the two fingers when they scored the first try. And then I think they lost by a similar margin. So we've gone all those periods of time not getting out of a quarterfinal. Every other nation has, Scotland included. Yeah, You know, would take out Italy and those ones, but the main ones haven't. Yeah. And that must be a gut-wrencher. And nothing's changed. Nothing like, changed, yeah, and I think getting the, hammered in his once evening. we <laughs> once we come down from that, Joe's legacy still will be the greatest coach that coached Ireland. But yeah. for him, for him, it's just it was unfortunate. Not so much for Rory Best, not so much for a captain, because Rory Best will uh, will obviously go out as the most successful captain, and he won't be it won't be so galling for him because sure. you know he had wonderful send offs in all of those games, you know. Um, he went out the right way, you know, a proud man, done wonderful things. It'll just be, it'll be hurting more for Joe than Rory, I suggest. Yeah. For Joe, like, this is, again, all speculation, mm. but, you know, he's talked about, he probably, he's already had offers. Yeah, he's going to sure take, he he's going to, he's going to take the season off, I think, anyway, and, and, and hang around <laughs> and, you know, mm. get going again in the summer. Well, it's funny that, because w- 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 when we first heard, it was like, I'm taking unlimited... Like, even said the other night, I said, oh, we'll take unlimited time of the bet, but I'll be back next June deciding yeah. what the family yeah. will do. So Originally, he was retiring yeah. from coaching. Well, yeah, you well. Thought, I thought, I thought, wow, am I going to run into Joe? And he said, look, I'm going back teaching or something, you know, because he's lived... And somebody, something said to me today, I was out talking, doing a mental health talk, and someone said, you know what? I look at a guy that's lived and breathed rugby every minute of the day for the last six years, and that's what I see. And I think... People were making, they said, my God, Joe's aged over the last year. Mm. You know, stressful job. He works at it harder than any coach around the world in the sense of what he does is 
is meticulous. So yes, he needs a downtime, and then whether or not he steps back into that or not, he'll be snapped up. Yeah, Look, that's what I was going to say to you. Absolutely. Is like the thing this that Look man what needs, to that man needs more than anything else is probably a break now absolutely. and not think about this game for a while. Yeah. Get it out of your system. <laughs> go, well, he, can I, you do that? I don't, I don't think don't he know. can, but know. you know, but but to not live and breathe it, and then to go back next June to somewhere you don't know where yeah. he'll end up it doesn't matter but you can see him being uber successful somewhere else now as well well so. again I'd be fascinated I'd be fascinated to sit down with Joe psychologically wise and and see where he's at because again I think for Joe it's going to be that it's going to be that that itch that you can't scratch so he's going to be lying on the on a, a towel somewhere and the water's going to be lapping up, and you know, far easier to lie on that towel. Think, you know, we gave it everything. Yeah. We 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 lost by two points in the last minute of the game. I couldn't have done any more. Top the pool, all those things. Yeah. He ain't going to be doing that. He's going to be lying there thinking, oh, what if we just got over Japan? What if we'd just been playing South Africa around these? What if? What if? What if? What if? And it's very hard to stop. People say, oh, you know, live in the now and all these things and, and what's gone has happened and don't cry over spilt milk, all these cliches. Yeah. Harder to do than in actuality. He lives here and is settled here. And like originally, I think when he left, he was, you yeah. know, his circumstances have changed with, with his, his, his mother and, yeah. passing and everything like that. So he, he, yeah. he was hoping to go back to New Zealand. It doesn't look like that's happening. And he is still here. Like, is Joe Schmidt too big a name in world rugby to stay involved within Irish rugby? Maybe yeah. with one of the yeah, he has to go to a Absolutely. bigger job outside of Well he doesn't uh, have to, but I can't see that's Joe's yeah. remit. It's like, you know, it's 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 like when you're a head coach, when you when you're a head coach of an I, international team. Look, he's gotta take he's got yes, when you when you when when you when you win World Coach of the Year and you go through that, it's it's gonna be a transitional time for Joe. And it'll be where he pops up next. Will that be in New Zealand? I have a funny feeling. I have a funny feeling it could be France. That's I what think I was that. Think. Yeah. yeah, I think given that he speaks the lingo, yeah. which is huge important. Given his reputation, Claremont. Given his reputation then in Leinster, uh, you know, he's certainly going to be on more than a teacher's salary wherever he goes because <laughs> he's you know when you think when you think the strides he's made in the years that I often kick myself because I think you know. Why didn't I go into the coach? Because because actually I, I I started off reasonably successful and I got offered a couple of big coaching jobs in that stage and I would love to and I just went into the media and mm. I look back at those guys who were starting the same time as me Warren Gatlin and all these like I mean Gatty was just doing Gorwegians at the same time I was doing Marys it wasn't yeah. it wasn't as if they were jettisoning these guys in from you know from everywhere and we'd just won the league with St Marys and I look back now and I think you know is that a regret in my life you know would I have liked to have had a go at at that level, you know. Yeah. But Joe will reappear. I, I he's not the type of guy that uh, he's not the type of guy that will linger with it too much. He'll bounce back. And you're right, whether that's in New Zealand with you know the the New Zealand Rugby Union or something, or the Chiefs or the Blues, or whether it's with you know. But I I just have a sneaky suspicion it might be somewhere in in France or somewhere that he can take a team again and build because Joe likes building teams, you know, yeah. like Leinster. He came in there. I mean, George Hook famously said he'd lost the changing room after three losses. Remember, Leinster lost, the, I think, first five or six five, games, though, I the think, joke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's a team builder. He builds teams. And that's the greatest asset you can have as a coach. You know, he likes to go in. He, want, he doesn't want to take a team at the top of its cycle. Uh, he wants to take a team that has promise, but he can do something with yeah. it. And I'm sure he'll do it. And it's going to be a fresh start for him wherever he goes. It's not as fresh a start for the Irish players no. who are going to come back in in yeah. December into camp for the Six Nations, which isn't very far away. They'll have gone back to yeah. their clubs in that time. And they're going to see a very familiar face running things. But how much of a difference is it for Andy Farrell to... to like he's He was doing things under Joe Schmidt's yep. remit. We're going to see how much of his own man he is now. Yeah. I, I just wonder, is it, it, it's, it doesn't matter because it was already decided and there's nothing you can do about it, but there's a feeling of if you were deciding today, would you go with a completely fresh start? There's a good vibe, I'd have to say, about Andy Farrell, you know, getting yeah. from the players. Uh, you know, they do respect him. Uh, you know, he played the game, dual codes at the, at the highest level. He's a, he's, a, he's a tough man, but he's a chilled guy as well. He's, he's, uh, he's relaxed. Um, you're right. I think that probably, probably 
slightly to his advantage, coming in now when Ireland haven't done so well, slightly to his advantage, going in there if Ireland just won a World Cup, you're on a beating to nothing. You're on a <laughs> yeah. beating to nothing. You'd just about resign from the job yeah. then and say, look, hey. Like, was it Robinson you, in England? Well, exactly. Like, no chance, yeah. No, you've, no, you've, you've, you've no chance of doing anything because you'll always be compared. And how, how much better can you do? You can't win another Grand Slam, a World Cup, you know, all these things in the year. So he's come at a good time. I think he'll have to put his own stamp on the way they play and with Mike Cat. Um, I think that, you know, they're not going to throw the, 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 the water out, you know, like there's still going to be players hanging around. I mean, Johnny Sexton's publicly said and Conor Murray, those guys have still a lot to offer in the game and they absolutely have. But I think it's a case now of going into that cycle for the next three or four years and look and say, OK, who do we play at the Six Nation? but who do we look at developing? And there's a lot of young players. There's a lot of young players out there. You know, the Max Deegans, the, the Kieran Doris, the, you know, Levy's to come back in, Ruddock and these guys had good tournaments. So there's enough foundation work being done for this team to kick on. Mm. I just think that they need to start maybe bit like Steve Hansen, maybe looking at a few younger players, get them into the scene, maybe take them on a tour at the end of the season, give them a bit of match time, because we certainly don't want to, watching a lot of the programmes in New Zealand, okay, it's in New Zealand, the media, the criticism of this Irish team was, from, from New Zealand media's point of view, that it had become maybe a team that was getting possibly harder to get out of than to get into, you know. And yeah. and that's a good trait for a coach to have loyalty. I'm not saying you you... you, you, you you diminish loyalty, but there was a situation, I suppose, when players were putting their hands up maybe to be selected, that those players may now get a run out under Farrell. Like, you know, I is don't the, know. So this is a conversation we had, myself and Morris had on, on our show on Tuesday. And it just kind of... So there's talk that, like, should Joey Carberry maybe play full-back and this is something that we can yeah. have that's a different, yeah. you know, something a little bit Well, it's bit copying Barrett and... Sure, absolutely, absolutely it is, but it's just an example. And But there's like, oh, well, no, he doesn't play there at his club. And, you know, but that doesn't matter for Bowden Barrett for the best team in the yeah. world. Yeah, I, I like talking to you about this because you have the dual perspectives. So yeah. You've been here longer. Yeah. You, you, you know more about, like, you've been involved in Irish rugby longer than most of us, yeah. most people in a lifetime, but you also have that outsider's yeah. and view. I, and I played with, you know, I played with Steve Hansen. I played with Jamie Joseph. I, you know, I know, exactly, I know yeah. their way of thinking and I know how they look at games and, and the future of rugby. And that's what I, exactly. So does Irish rugby have a crippling conservatism where... We have like it's it's like you know the Johnny Sexton has to be wrapped up in cotton wool. We have to have all our players playing in in mm. the same four teams. You know we can't play a guy out of position where he doesn't play with his club, mm. so on so forth. Yeah. You know exactly what I mean. There's a there's a hundred yeah. different examples you could use, and it's not just from Joe Schmidt and the Ireland First Fifteen. It goes through the IRFU, yeah. it goes through Irish media, and mm. it goes through Irish supporters as well. No, it's a really good point because I've often thought of evolution needs... I'm not laying blame on... When I use the word evolution, it's the word that's been most used this week. That, you know, I was talking to Michael Liner and, and, and about the weekend and, and, and he agreed. That doesn't just start with the senior team. It starts with a philosophy that starts at schools, rugby. The greatest thing that's come out of this World Cup, for me, the greatest thing that's come out of it, whatever happens in the results, is that... We're finally saying to young uh, men and women out there that want to play rugby, hey, if I have a skill set and I work on my speed and I work on my feet, then there's a place for me in the game. I remember meeting, talking to Shane Williams a few years ago and he said, Brendan, he said, there's no place in the game for me anymore. He said, unless it's scrum half. And he said, he said, other than that, he said, I couldn't play on my desire. Despite scoring a record number of trials for Wales, they wouldn't even get me into a trial system. So the good thing wow. that's come about, the outstanding wingers, Severi Reese, um, Fukuaka, um, Cheslin Colby, Colby yeah. all small guys that have worked on their skill set. What New Zealand go away in? I remember years ago, here's, 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 here's where it starts. Rob Penny came to Munster a few years ago and tried to implement, wrongly at that time, a Canterbury Crusaders style of playing, which meant that guys like Paul O'Connell and Donald O'Callaghan suddenly found themselves out on the wing having to make passes and that like backs. And, you know, in fairness, they tried, and it just didn't work for Munster ethos at that time. It's the same when Joe came into Lentz, if you remember rightly, he said, I want to be the, the, the best passing side in Europe because we can't compete with, with the physiques 
that the French and the English run it. Mm. So it starts with buying into a philosophy that, hold on, yes, what you said before, we do risk play, people out of their comfort zone. We do risk putting players out of position. We do risk promoting players that have the skill set but maybe just don't have the size. I mean, we've seen it with, say, for instance, Jack Carty. Jack Carty, to me, came out of this World Cup as a player given space and time could be a real game-breaker. Yes, he needs a couple of kgs, but they can work on that. But there's enough there that I've seen from this Irish side to say there are players out there. You've just got to come up with a... You've got to come up below that. You've got to come up with a greater skill set to play a game like... See, Japan Japan went away, I know, for the last couple of years and said, OK, you know, the, the tackle laws are coming down and down and down. What we're going to do is use that to our advantage. We're smaller... We can go in at the ankles, and then we, the next guy can go straight in on the ball. Epitomised by that try they scored with the rip away and Fukuoka uh, ran up the line. Yeah. The first Wonderful. guy went and tackled him, dropped the Scottish guy. As he was falling down, next guy goes in the ball and rips it off. Compare that to the difference of the Polynesian team still back in playing the big hit, you know, wanting yeah. to dislodge the, the ball and the tackle. It's just how our team has evolved and said, these are our strengths. So, you know... I've always haven't found a discernible way that the Irish have played the game in the last 10 years. I haven't seen a, a way that they play it. We now know the way that New Zealand play it. We now know the way that South Africa play it. We now know the way that Japan play it. But how does Ireland play it? I don't know what you said before. I don't know that I can say this is the way that Ireland play rugby. Mm. You know, yeah, and like the need to find that the Rob Penny thing is interesting. That's the second time someone's brought that up, and I hadn't, I've forgotten about it mm. such a long time ago. You know, I remember at the time thinking, like, this is ridiculous. And yeah. I was on Keith Wood's side and everybody when they were giving mm. out about it. And I thought, like, that's not the Munster way. And yeah, so, true. And, yeah, awesome. But now I think about it and I wonder, like, are players too set in their ways? And are they too, are, like, is, is Irish rugby in general too set in their, in their ways? And is, like, have they got too much influence over, uh, you know, no, it's, it's, these it's, ideas? It's because, because even going back to my, and people say, okay, you know, it, 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 well, it, it actually... I played in an era when New Zealand rugby was probably at its zenith, to be honest. You know, Michael Jones and Zan Brook, all these guys, Auckland were probably the best provincial side ever, ever assembled. But even the talk then was, from coaches, was we need to step out of our comfort zones. So suddenly you were put into, you know, I remember being told by one coach, particular coach, all black, went on to coach the All Blacks, being told that if I kicked the ball again, it was a good kick, you know, <laughs> a 40 metre touch finder. And he, he, he came up to me after the game, I was expecting praise, and he more or less grabbed me and said, Pope, you kick another ball like that and you won't play again for me. <laughs> and I thought, wow. I said, on the one hand, then when I went to other coaches who were more innovative, said, hey, that's great that you can kick a ball and you're, you're a loose forward. And, you know, and they would put you into positions even at training. We used, to, we used to often swap forwards out with backs to give second rows the chance to run with the ball because in those days, like, props didn't touch the damn ball. You get a pop going through a whole game and get player of the, player of the match, and I said, but you haven't touched, haven't touched the ball. So it's just about that kind of involvement, and, and, and I think where Rob Penny probably tried to race it too quickly, he probably tried to implement that, and the players weren't ready for that. But there was something in the fact about asking players, even a Munster who'd been successful, asking them to maybe change the way they're playing for the future is probably what you could say about this Irish team. You yeah. could probably say a year ago when New Zealand went away and said, OK, we're not going to beat Ireland again if they put this type of defence to us, so we're going to have to come up with a way that we can go around them rather than through them. And they went about doing that. What was Ireland's thinking? Did they go back and say, well, okay, it's working. It's working well, so let's keep going and let's keep doing it. We're beating the best team in the world by mm. playing this way. That's the way we're going to play. But then you've got to take some responsibility then of getting those warning shots against England, warm up against the Six Nations last year and saying, okay, well, maybe other teams are looking at this and other maybe teams have worked this out a bit and we're maybe going to have to change things slightly. Yeah. That's hard to do. It's hard to do, but, you know. No, I, I agree. And I, look, I think we could dissect and fix it right all the yeah. wrongs of Irish rugby all day, and we could do it for another four years. <laughs> and, you know, I look, there's a lot more to talk about, but, you know, I think you've done a really, really good job of explaining that there. There is two pretty big games on this weekend <laughs> that we probably yeah. shouldn't forget. You know, there's there's more to life than Ireland, uh, Brent, as we all know. Um New Zealand England is just set is just set up now to oh. be just this fascinating clash. 
like England can do everything that Ireland didn't do to New Zealand yeah. and truly test them. Yeah. I've seen people say that that was one of the best New Zealand performances they've ever seen. I've seen other people say, well, they had the free reign to do what they wanted. We can't judge them Bit yet. Bit of both. Yeah. Bit of both. It was, a, it, you know, Irish fans and supporters can take out of that that this was just New Zealand. I'd have to say, I, I, thought, it, I thought it was a complete performance by New Zealand. I think everything worked on the day too. Now, that was, that was helped, obviously, facilitated by Ireland's mistakes, and I, and I get that, but still... New Zealand were playing at such a level, uh, you know, that they just were given that space. England won't give them the space. Mm. Uh, the only thing I... Here's, here's, here's the funny thing for me. We all talk about an England power game, right? We all talk about the power. But I suggest the power only comes from two players, the brothers. <laughs> because if you look at man and up, the two teams, the two four-packs, New Zealand and, and England... You've got a back row. You've got you know you've got Ritalik and, and Whitelock in the in the in the engine room who are more than a match for Courtney Laws and Atoji. Um, uh, Atoji, yeah. athletic Atoji, brilliant. We know that, but I'm talking about power. If you're talking about power, um, you know Ritalik and these guys are just equally as powerful. Front rows will more or less, um, you know, I suppose go head-to-head pretty similar. Yeah, two good pretty front rows. Yeah, like, two good yeah, front yeah. rows, but I mean, you know, not not huge not huge power in either, good scrummers. And then you've got the back row. I mean, two two English, you know, 103 kg back rows against two New Zealand, 103, 104 kg difference. The difference here is this. It's it's dynamism versus power because you have someone like Ardi Savia who was exceptional against Ireland has that 20-metre burst of speed that allows him to get outside opposition some. Vunapola doesn't have that. Mm. But Vunapola has 22 stone of Samoan beef. Yeah, uh, running down Aaron Smith's choke. So the power like, comes yeah. down to actually... Uh, the power comes down to players rather than a philosophy. And then you could say... Laggy, back, yeah, I, I was going to well, just yeah. say that. You could then transfer that to the backs and say, to a laggy. But, I mean, New Zealand could put on Sonny Bill who's also a similar type of player, yeah. you know, big, big guy. Sonny Bill was one of the heaviest tacklers in the, in the, in the uh, rugby league game and in rugby union. So it's not the matchup. So if you take away the power side of it, I think New Zealand have a superior skill set in, in, in different positions. I think Farrell, again, aggressive, good game manager, but does he bring the same kind of strike that Moanga and Barrett may do? I don't think so. Um, I think it'll be New Zealand. I'm not just saying that. Well, yeah. I probably am saying it. <laughs> Take that back. I am. I just I just have a gut feeling. I have a gut feeling that New Zealand will make the final and lose to South Africa. There you go. Wow. Okay. 1995 all over again. Yeah. I just have a feeling that South Africa will use that with such momentum. They'll use that fact that they were pretty good against New Zealand for 20 minutes. And apart from that 10-minute spell when New Zealand went, you know, bang, bang. A bit like they did against Ireland, that they, they you know, I don't want that to happen, yeah. obviously. But obviously. I have to say, South Africa impressed me a lot at last on Sunday because Japan were just electric and like they were completely concentrating on everything they were doing because we were so excited about their performance for fifty minutes yeah. that they stayed with yeah. it. But no. you know, people were talking about South Africa running out of legs, but it was no. Japan, obviously. You read it, and they killed the line out, just absolutely destroyed them, and there was no way back, really. Like no, and when you talk about a power game. You know, South Africa number one, and that yeah. you look at the size they're look at the guys they bring on. I mean, the guy that looks like he should be in the WWF with <laughs> Stamen or whatever, and then they've got Francois yeah. Lowe and all these guys, they just kept banging at you. And you know, New Zealand got away with it in the first game because they defended really well, but you know, talking to a lot of guys, man, you know, that 20 minutes was, was, was full on for them to keep South Africa what just to three points. So, I think you're right. I, I you know, South Africa have been bubbling under. You know, they haven't really showed to... The only thing that'll let South Africa down is possibly a lack of creativity in the midfield. You know, when they're going for guys like Stain still coming on the field, a kind of, you know, a sort of a, a crash-bash merchant. Mm. If Colby there makes a difference... They're not They're not getting him involved enough. No. He's criminally well, he underused, isn't he? Week. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's kind of sad to see because we know what he's capable it's of. Sad but to see. Who are the centres aren't getting him the ball and and, no. and and really like I mean Pollock's not either you know he's like no kind of although Pollard has the ability to run a game pretty well and to bring him in but you're right where their game where their game uh, stalls a bit is in the centres. Flafter Kirk 
great defender man last week for a, for a small guy. Yeah. He puts himself out there defensively. Defensively, very very strong. You know, get the ball to Colby. I haven't seen enough on the outsides. I think I just think they have that ability to possibly strangle New Zealand in a the final. They possibly they're a bit like Japan. Yeah. You know, and if things don't go right for New Zealand. Having said that, you know... You're not giving Wales much of a, a, look, a chance there? I would. Just too many injuries. Too and many they injuries. looked dead on their feet, didn't they? Yeah. You know, They're on their last they've legs. They've gone to the well too many times. I mean, Alwyn Jones, what a warrior for that. You know I mean? He plays every minute of every game and he still comes up with the plays at the, in the last minute to win the line-out. He's so inspirational for them. You know, big losses in, in, in their loose forwards, you know... Um, Jonathan Davies doesn't play. They have a chance if Davies plays. If he's yeah. out, I, there's just too many injuries at this stage. And I think too many injuries, on. and you know, probably think, not. Fi- they haven't found their form of no, last winter either. No, you're really. right. Yeah, they, you, 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 you're right. They haven't. And I mean, but can they keep going to the well? I mean, you know, I think they just at a situation where the rotation stops now. And does he have the player that can fill in? Last week they didn't. They couldn't really fill the gap with Jonathan Davies. Um, look, they're still in. They're still in with a chance if they if the. But they're going to have to come at it from a, a completely different angle that we've seen. They're going to have to come. At, they're going to have to try to move South Africa around a bit like Japan did, and things have got to stick. Could they do it? Yeah, there's no better team in the world under Gatlin for. You know, Gatlin squeezes every bit of good juice out of that Welsh side. <laughs> you know, and for that he's got to be applauded. Absolutely. I mean, if yeah. he gets them to a final, you know, you've got to give him his dues as as a coach because you know. Whatever, whatever criticisms he's had to take over the years, he's bounced back. And I mean, you know, Joe could, Joe could learn a lot from where got Warren Gatlin. No, was we're not sending him to Wales, though. No, but I mean, he could learn a lot <laughs> in the way that in the way that Warren Gatlin left Ireland, went to Wasps, resurrected his career. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah. he's he's up there. He's up there with the best coaches in the world. You'd have to say. Um, but uh, no, look, we're we're know, we just. Yeah, no, I think I think New Zealand New Zealand will get past this one, and I think that it'll be. Do you think, think it'll be close in New Zealand, England? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's going to be. It's, it'll be it'll a be bit one of traditional. It'll be like, one yeah, try. Yeah. It'll be one try match. Okay. I think you know. Before we go, then, um, just a kind of a word on your old mate uh, Jamie Joseph and yeah. this Japan team. Oh, They're the story of this World Cup. Absolutely. Not just you were out there. You saw it firsthand. Yeah. Oh. This is going to, I hope anyway, I really hope I'm not being naive here, but this should change the face of, this should bring Japan in as a, yeah. as a power. And tier, and tier two, for the, for, for, you make a really good point, because the World Cup, the World Cup would have failed, I think, without Japan doing something. The tier two nations have to be looked after. They have to be brought into competitions. They have to be given a chance financially. You've got Samoan players, Tonga players playing their own way to a World Cup, and that's not right. And being asked to compete. And Turning my, down contracts in France because they won't exactly. let them play. Don't no, like, they won't um, let them play. And, and, Lamb, and, the captain. For and his, it's not fair. Yeah. It's not fair. So we've seen enough. We've seen enough from those teams to. <coughs> They were never going to see the tournament out being able to put out the same teams because Samar lost two players suspended in the very first game. But I think that they've got to give me a leg up. Japan have to be given a leg up now. They have to be brought into stronger competitions or whatever. Now, it's not going to happen overnight. Even talking to Jamie, there have a lot of problems in, in, in Japanese rugby. You know, they competed well at this World Cup. Will that continue on to with the with the with the Sunwolves and these haven't had great records Japanese sides in in the super competition. But bring them into whether it's into a six nations, whether it's into a super series that includes Japan, and let them learn like Argentina, you know? Because Japan is poised. Once once countries get behind a team with that much money, yeah. man, they they, they they could do something. I think it's gonna take a while, but before they get to that, you just have to applaud that the way that they've played the rugby. For people out watching the neutrals, they have made this World Cup their own. It was fantastic. I was out there, the supporters, and it really, it really now lends. Somebody's asking me how would it, how would a World Cup go in the States or someplace like Canada or somewhere like that? And I thought if they could take a leaf out of the way that Japan did it, yeah, I think it could be good for the game. You know, yeah. I don't want to see it keep going back to the best part of this tour for me was that it was somewhere different. I've mm-hmm. been on plenty of tours to Australia or to the UK. Or, that's why I would have loved the next World Cup to be in Ireland. I would have loved it 
not just because of what it would have brought to Irish community, just because I looked at the supporters there that were in party mode saying, you know, hey, no better place to come over in a World Cup in Ireland where people are going out every night and getting dressed up and having yeah. that party atmosphere and that. But unfortunately... Back to France, where we were only there a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, I'm sure they do a good job, but it's a bit of a backward step, I think, you know, for just to keep rolling it out. And the same as why should it go necessarily to a Southern Hemisphere next year? Go grow the game. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. But fair play to Jamie and the Japanese side and Tony. They, they, you know, they, they were the team everybody wanted to watch, you know. They were phenomenal and they lit up the World Cup. But there is still kind of like three real games to go. And yes, and the third and fourth playoff, which is always yeah, the winner. The fourth game. Who wants to play in that? Oh, we're covering it on TV. Are you Why? doing that game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. You know. You s- s- send in the blow up Brent Pope for Don't that one. Mention, yeah, well, it's, yeah, yeah, probably people want to blow me up at this stage. But, but uh, you know, you imagine, imagine if it's, well, it could well be Wales, but imagine if it's Wales limping along to that game. Warren Gatlin trying to get them motivated when they all got bandages on and just want to get home. It's too, you know. whatever about doing it in football, it's too attritional and hard yeah. a sport to get You're yourself right. up for a game that doesn't matter right. at the end of a big tournament. I don't. Well, I'd like it. to know if anybody could if anybody could come on and tell me straight away who was third last year, who was third the year before. I, I, would, I, would, I, I wouldn't have a clue. No. Maybe France or something, was, I don't know. It, so it was last time, Argentina. it was Argentina versus South Africa, yeah. and I don't think I ever even checked the result. I couldn't, it's not, it's not that it's not in my memory, I don't yeah. know it in the first so, I mean, place. I mean, there's not going to be a huge viewership of that match, you <laughs> say, but, uh, but hopefully, look, we'll get a big uh, big audience this week, um, albeit in the morning, but uh, I think the England, New Zealand... Saturday in South Africa, Wales, Sunday. Yeah, it? and a reminder, you're going to have to get up an hour earlier on uh, on Sunday oh. morning. The clocks are going back Saturday night. Oh, geez, so you're right. Don't, don't, don't. Uh, I was up at five o'clock before. Now it's at four o'clock. Well, yeah, that's it. Jeez. Bed early on Saturday night. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> it's celebrity X Factor for me. Saturday night, glass of wine and watch, you know, trivial TV. Maybe the best thing for me. Maybe, maybe. Well, listen, Brent, we have another couple of these to go. Do you know what? I think now that we there'll be a sense of enjoying the rugby a little bit yeah. more even this week now Look, that there isn't the stress of Ireland. It's there. over. It's over. You can't and, change it. You know, I'm not saying move on. Wait for the Six Nations. Yeah. Let the players go away and dissect it. Wish all the best to Joe and to Rory and the team, and then just say, look, you know, bury it now. And look forward to a cracking weekend of rugby and, and a World Cup final. Absolutely. We'll talk uh, on a more positive note next week, Brent. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. This podcast is brought to you by Balls.ie in association with Carryout Off Licence, Ireland's number one independent off licence.